tonight, I'm going to jump straight in. I got two quick things, but two very challenging things for you tonight. Um, as we talk about the topic of the emotion of jealousy. Anybody get jealous in here? Hey, man, I think everybody should raise their hand. You know, and the title that I want to give you tonight of our message is, That Doesn't Look Good On You. Jealousy does not look good on you. I'm saying that to myself as well. Jealousy does not look good on me. And there's a couple of things that I want to talk to you about tonight with that. You know, jealousy, Coach and I have been walking through and Delaney, we've been studying emotions and things like that. And he talked about fear and fear of missing out. And jealousy is extended from anger. You know, so many times we get angry when God is doing something in somebody else's life. Sometimes we get angry about the people in our life or the choices that they make. But then also sometimes we get really jealous about what God's doing in somebody else's life tonight. And I, I want to cover that with you tonight. And the passage that we're going to be in, I hope you get excited because I was very excited to study this passage. We're going to be in Luke chapter 15 tonight. Come on. Let's get excited about Luke 15. Um, in Luke 15, we're going to be focusing on verses 25 through 32. And I kind of just want to give you some highlights of this. But Going back to our title, that doesn't look good on you. You know, I was starting to think about jealousy and things like that. And I'm very thankful for my wife, Skylar. She is very honest with me when stuff doesn't look good on me. You know what I mean? You know, she actually she helped me pick out this jacket. So she, she sets me up to succeed well. And thankfully, hopefully, it doesn't happen too often where she hits me with, hey, that doesn't look good on you. But for jealousy, for our emotions, we need people to tell us that, hey, that doesn't look good on you. Hey, you're being jealous. Hey, you're struggling. You, we need people to call us out because if we don't have those people to call us out, then we just think we have it all figured out. But the thing about jealousy is, you know, it is a lot worse than just walking out of the house looking a little goofy or wearing mismatched socks. There are bigger consequences to jealousy than me walking out with mismatched socks. Luckily, she got me new socks for Christmas, so I'm good to go tonight. Um, but many of us, when we hear this word jealousy, you know, you probably think of the word envy as well, right? And, you know, in my study, as I was prepping and things like that, I was like, man, how can we make a clear distinction between jealousy and envy? And now, don't get me wrong, a lot of times when we are jealous, we may also be envious, or vice versa, when we're envious, we may be jealous. And so what are the differences between it? You know, there are similarities, but I want to give you clear distinctions of what jealousy and envy is. Because really, when we talk about jealousy, you have to ask yourself, when I'm jealous or when I'm starting to feel jealous, how is it affecting my emotion? But also, how is it affecting my emotions and how I treat other people? You know, that's the thing. And so these are some definitions that I looked up and that I think are very clear with our passage tonight. And so, and this won't be on the screen, so I'll make sure to read it a couple times. Jealousy points its negative focus on the person who has the thing you don't have. I'll say that again. Jealousy points its focus to the, I'm sorry, jealousy points its negative focus on the person who has the thing you don't have. But then envy, envy is more centered on the desire for the thing. And so when we're envious, yeah, we can be upset and sad that, oh, man, I don't have that thing. Or, man, I don't have that in my life. I don't have that possession. I don't have that position. But jealousy is when we start to take that out on the person who has it. Let me ask you the question tonight, Kalashin. When you get jealous, does it make you hostile towards other people? When you get jealous, does it affect how you treat the other people in your life? 
And man, we live, we live in an age with social media where we compare ourselves and when we look what go, is going on in other people's life. And the question that we're really going to tackle is, you know, how do we treat other people when we get jealous and how can we avoid it? And we see that in our passage tonight. And so, like I said, we'll be in Luke 15, focusing on verses 25 through 32. But I kind of want to catch you up to speed with Luke chapter 15. So Luke chapter 15, Jesus is speaking in parables to the Pharisees and the scribes. And so in Jesus' day, in the time of Jesus when he was on earth, Pharisees were the religious leaders. And, man, they were very opinionated on things. You see all through the Gospels, when the Pharisees were talking, they shared what they thought. But I was talking to my D group this past week, man. Jesus asked some really good questions in the Gospels. And he teaches um, through three different parables. And we're going to focus on the parable of the lost son. Or some of you may have heard it as the prodigal son. And you may have heard a sermon on this passage of the prodigal son. Where it's this idea of Jesus talking to the Pharisees. The Pharisees lacked compassion towards the people that they were supposed to share the love of Jesus with. And so we all have been that younger brother in this parable. So there's two brothers and a father in this parable. We've all been the younger brother when God gives us everything we need. We take it, we run off, and we think we can do everything on our own. We think we got it figured out. But quickly in this parable, we see the younger brother when he, he, it says he squandered away his inheritance. He asked for the inheritance from his father. So basically it was like, hey, pop, so it, you know, your time, you need to get out of the way so I can get what's mine. And then he takes it and he wastes it all. And then it says he starts to feed pigs and things like that. And it finally clicks with him. He's like, man, there's more to life than this. Kyle, can I tell you that there's so much more to life than living a jealous life? There is so much more to life than comparing what God is doing in somebody else's life versus your life. There is so much more to life than that. And when, again, we've all been that younger brother. And when we come to the Father, what you have to realize is when we come to God, all we come to God with is empty hands and a desperate need for forgiveness. But I'm going to ask you that question. Maybe you haven't done that in your life. Maybe you have never gone to God and said, I'm a sinner and I'm in need of forgiveness. Man, I pray you would make that decision tonight. But also another challenge I want to give you is we're probably like the older brother a lot too. We're going to see how the older brother responds to what happens when his little brother goes, comes home. So the little brother goes away, squanders all of his father's inheritance. He comes back and the passage says that the father showed compassion on the younger brother. Aren't you glad that God shows you compassion in your life? And that's a whole, man, that could be a whole nother sermon on emotions and compassion and things like that. But we're not going to cover that tonight. What we're going to look at is the perspective of the older brother. Let me ask you something tonight. When you see somebody who is, who is living against what the Bible says, but yet it still looks like they have everything in their life, how do you respond to that? How do you deal with the jealousy in your heart? And that's the question we're going to answer tonight as we look at Luke 15, Luke 15, verses 25 through 32. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into this passage. I'm going to give you two things. God, you're good. Thank you for you. God, thank you for the worship, Lord. And God, you are the God of revival, Lord. And I pray you would spark revival in each one of our hearts individually, God. Lord, for the believers in the room, God, I pray that you would speak a word directly to them, Lord, and you would challenge them and convict them of jealousy, Lord, and God, that they would experience freedom from that tonight, Lord. But maybe there's somebody in the room tonight, God, that doesn't know you personally and is stuck in jealousy, God. I pray that they would experience the freedom that comes from the forgiveness of sins. 
God, your son came. He lived a perfect and sinless life. God, and you died on the cross for our sins, Lord, and we repent of our sins. And God, when we trust in you, when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that you raised your son from the dead, God, we can be saved and experience salvation, God. So, Lord, I pray you would speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, thank you for what we get to do in worshiping you and hearing from your word tonight, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so look with me at Luke 15, verses 25. I'm going to read verses 25 through 29, and then we'll come back to verses 30 and 32. And so now we're being introduced to the older brother here, and it says, Now his older brother was in the field as he came near the house, and he heard the music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. And the servant, this is his response right here. Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And look how the older brother responds. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. And look at how the brother responds to the father, the older brother. But he replied to his father, look, I've been slaving for many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. College student, the first thing that jealousy leads to is this. Jealousy leads to complaining instead of celebration. Jealousy leads to complaining instead of celebration. And so as I said, verse 25, we're introduced to the older brother. Verses 11 up until then, 11 through 24 is about the younger brother. And then now we're focused on the older brother. And we learn that he was coming in from work. He was com- So coming in from the field, he was coming home from work. And I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, if I came home from work and there was just a random party going on, sure, I would have some questions. But how he responded is in a very negative and uncelebratory way. And look at this. He questioned one of his servants, and that's when he learned that the party was for his younger brother. And the older brother got so angry that he didn't even want to go into the party, college. And think about that. Had this huge celebration at his house, and he got so angry that it kept him from being a part of the celebration. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever got so angry or so jealous about what God's doing in somebody's life that you take yourself out? You take the opportunity for yourself to be a part of it? Has that ever happened in your life? His jealousy led him to isolate himself, and it kept him away from his loved ones. Think about that. His anger and jealousy isolated him from the ones closest to him, and he didn't get to celebrate. And I I challenge you with that, Collison. When it comes to jealousy, I'm going to be honest, I'm not really jealous of LeBron James. Yeah, he's a better basketball player than me, but he has no shape or form. He has no voice in my life. He has no... I mean, I guess it impacted how I played the game of basketball a little bit, but he has not impacted me spiritually or anything like that. And so notice what happens. The devil will get at you with jealousy with the ones closest to you. Have you ever thought about that? God, the devil, not God, excuse me, the devil will try to attack you and get at you by making you jealous of the ones closest to you. Isn't that crazy? And so as I started to think about this, you know, What I started to think about is, man, when you're isolated and when you remove yourself, man, a jealous heart is an imprisoned heart. Think about that. When you are living in jealousy, what you're doing is you are imprisoning your heart. And so what do I mean by that? This is the only reference I'll make to SWAT. My team is so tired of me talking about this, but I love that show SWAT. And what they do all the time is they're arresting people. And to arrest somebody, you have to put handcuffs on somebody. 
But the thing about handcuffs is, notice this, when a, a police officer or whoever, when they arrest somebody, a lot of times their hands are behind their back and the handcuffs restrain the criminal from doing anything else. Kyle when you live in jealousy, this is what you're doing. You are literally putting handcuffs on your own hands and restraining yourself from celebrating. You are, handcuffs are a restraint from celebration. Jealousy is restraining you from celebrating the loved ones in your life. Imagine this, if I tried to go hug my wife like this, it wouldn't be a really exciting hug. If I tried to go daff up coach like this, he wouldn't, he'd be like, dog, you good? But the key to, this is the crazy, the key to get handcuffs off, you know what it is? Celebrating. Because then when my hands are free, when I don't have the handcuffs of jealousy on, when I see my wife, I hug her with both hands. When I see Coach, man, I'm excited, dog, good to see you. And because I'm celebrating what God is doing in other people's life. But jealousy will keep you in prison. It will imprison your heart. And Kyle, I want to ask you the question tonight. Will you experience the freedom that comes with celebrating what God's doing in other people's life? Will you celebrate what God is doing in other people's lives? And look at this. Jealousy will only hinder your relationships. It never helps your relationships. Think about, think about a time you got jealous in your life. Did it help your relationship? Did it grow it? Did it make it stronger? Did it deepen that relationship? I'm very probable that it didn't. It only hindered it. Because the thing about jealousy, thinking about another definition of jealousy, it builds resentment in your heart. Again, he isolated himself from the ones closest to him. And so when you have resentment, you're resisting the chance to be a part of something, even though it's not for you. And we read that the father came and tried to plead with him. And I don't want us to miss how the older brother responded to his father. He's been slaving for many years for his father. He's never disobeyed his father. And yet he has never gotten a goat so that he could celebrate his friends. The older brother was so focused on what he had done, it caused him to miss what was being done for somebody else. It caused him to miss what God was doing in his little brother's life. And don't miss the older brother's response. Jealousy had turned his relationship into an obligation and a pursuit of perfection. Because again, remember, this, fair, this um, parable is being spoken to the Pharisees. And if you, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, any one of them, you see the Pharisees have their own standard. They are reaching, per, they're trying to reach the state of perfection, and they're trying to be perfect and not disobey anything. It's an obligation, not an opportunity. And the older brother did all this work in expectancy of getting something in return. The oldest brother represents the Pharisees in this parable. And instead of celebrating life change, what's so crazy about the Pharisees is that they would complain about it. They would complain about God doing something in somebody else's life. And the complaining replaced his opportunity to celebrate. It blinded him. Instead of celebrating that his brother had came home, he was complaining that the party wasn't for him. And the question I want to ask you is, have you ever been like the older brother? You know, we're very quick to say, man, I'm like the younger brother. Yes, I've gone away, but then I came back to God. But are we we going to admit the times that we've been like the older brother when we get angry and jealous and isolate ourselves from our loved one? And this is what I wrote in my notes. Jealousy and anger will cause you to miss what God is doing right in front of you. Jealousy and anger will cause you to miss what God is doing right in front of you. Or ask yourself this question, when you see God do something in another person's life, do you complain about it or do you celebrate the fact that you get to see God do something? 
Do you celebrate the fact that you're just seeing God move, even though it's not in your, maybe directly involved in your life? But not only that, Colossians, when we get jealous and anger, it'll cause us to forget what God's done in our life already. Your jealousy and anger will cause you to forget what God has already done for you. And I want to be honest with you, it's really hard to complain when you're truly grateful for what God's done for you. It's really hard to complain when you're truly grateful for what God's done for you. This verse will be on the screen. James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 says this right here. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is from above. So ask yourself this question. Are you whining more than you're worshiping? In your life, what do, how do you go through your days? Do you go through whining about God doing something in somebody else's life? Or do you worship God because you're seeing God move in somebody else's life? Sure, you, you might not be the Pharisee complaining about God doing, about saving somebody. But what about when God gives that college student the internship that you've been praying for? Or what about when God provides something for somebody else, but he hasn't provided for you just yet, but you've been praying for it a little bit longer? Do you get jealous and angry and isolate yourself? Or do you remind yourself, man, God is the same God to that person that he is to me? Because I'm going to be honest, Colossians, with God, there's no favoritism. This is a biblical truth you need to understand. God blesses obedience and he brings consequences to disobedience. Now, here's the thing. We live in such a materialistic world that, man, oh, if I, if I obey God, God will bless me with X, Y, Z. I'm not going to sit up here and say, like, if you obey God, he'll give you all that you want. No, but the Bible is very clear. God will give you everything that you need. But when you are living in jealousy, I'm going to keep going back to this. You are living with an imprisoned heart. And college student, that does not look good on you. Jealousy does not look good on you. But we'll take it a step further. James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. But then the next verse, you ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. This is not even in my notes. What's the motive of your prayers in your life? I think I heard pastors say this one time. If God were to give you the thing that you're praying for, would you use it for his glory or would you use it for selfish gain? What are the motives of your prayers? Because if jealousy is driving your prayers, yeah, I'm, God hears our prayers, but he doesn't respond to jealous prayers. He doesn't, he convicts you of that. And if you're praying with jealous prayers, if you're praying with a jealous heart, what you need to do tonight, I challenge a group of volunteers with this tonight. If you're jealous of somebody, if you're jealous of what God's doing in somebody else's life, I challenge you to go to them. Because what's crazy is jealousy is sneaky. You can hide it for a certain period of time. It's sneaky. It sneaks up on you, but then as you let it grow and grow and grow, it just comes out in your words and it comes out in how you treat people. And so I would challenge you tonight, if you are jealous of somebody, would you go to them and ask for forgiveness? Ask for God to forgive you. He's faithful to forgive. But then when you go to that person and say, I've been jealous of X, Y, Z, and I want to ask for your forgiveness. I want to tell you some college student. It is freeing when you ask for forgiveness of the sin in your life. It is freeing. Going back to the handcuffs illustrations, it restrains you. You, can't, you can only do so much. But when you go through, imagine what your days would look like if you worshiped God because he's doing something in other people's lives. 
But yeah, we're so, you know what complaining is? Complaining is so self-centered. It's God, why not me? Why that person? Instead of saying, God, thank you for doing that for that person. Check the motives of your prayers and watch how your prayer life changes. Your prayer life and relationships will change drastically when you replace jealousy with celebration. And it, one of my biggest cross-references, I, I sat on this all weekend looking at this, is Proverbs 14.30. Is this right here. A tranquil heart is life to the body, but jealousy is rottenness to the bones. Jealousy is rottenness to the bones. And so when Solomon's writing this, what you have to understand is when we think of what is a small and harmless thought will slowly start to make us hostile towards other people. Because with rotting, with rottenness, what it's talking about is the, the physical and spiritual state of your body. And so when, the, when your bones and inside your soul, your heart, when it starts to rot, nothing good can come out. You know, I think Brother Steve, I'll quote him, you know, what is down in the well will come up in the bucket. Such a clear and easy thing to grasp. So if jealousy is down in your heart, if your heart is locked up because of jealousy, man, when people ask what God's doing in your life, you're going you're gonna to complain about what you're, that he's doing in their life instead of celebrating what he's doing in both of y'all's lives. Jealousy is rottenness to the bones. It will affect your mind. It will affect your words. It will affect your heart. It will affect your attitude. It will affect how you treat people. You are spiritually, mentally, and relationally decaying when you are jealous. You are decaying when you are jealous. But not only that, later on in Proverbs, Proverbs 27, 4 says this, fury is cruel and anger a flood, but who can withstand jealousy? So again, with this verse right here, the Bible shows us that jealousy is more relentless than anger. Who can, who can withstand jealousy? I'll take it later on in chapter in Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27, 19 says this, as the water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the person. As water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the person. Colossians, what's in your heart tonight? What controls your mind? What, what is on your mind the most? Do you complain or do you celebrate? Man, I'm telling you, when you celebrate people, it is so freeing and it's so fun. Because put it on the flip side, if somebody's complaining about what God's doing in your life, that kind of stinks. That stinks when somebody takes away of what God's doing in your life and they just complain about it. You don't, it makes you not even want to tell those people what God's doing in your life anymore. And so the question you have to ask yourself, are you that person? Do people run to you to say, man, Dakota, this is what God's doing in my life? Or do they say, man, I'm not going to go to him because, man, he just complains because not, it's not happening in his life. Colossian, what's in your heart tonight? I came across a quote as I was studying, and this quote will be on the screen. I came across a quote of a pastor who also preached on jealousy, and uh, man, I just thought it was so good. And it applies to the older brother in this parable. The quote is this right here from another pastor. He said, the great danger is that you become paralyzed by the sideways jealous glance rather than the straightforward gaze of thankfulness. The great danger is that you become paralyzed by the sideways jealous glance 
rather than the straightforward gaze of thankfulness. Think about it. When you glance at something, you don't get the full picture. When you glance at something, you, you look at it real quick and then you keep going. You can't fully process what you just saw or what you just looked at. But when you're gazing at something, when you're looking straight ahead and you're gazing, you're keeping your eyes on the Lord, man, you have no other option but to be thankful because of how good God has been to you. Colossian, do you truly believe that God has been good to you? Because if you have, you, the God that you serve, the God that you know and love, the God that knows and loves you, when you know him personally and you're not jealous, you, all you can do is be thankful when he does something for somebody else. But what's in your heart? Do you complain or do you celebrate? A lot of times when we're jealous about something or when something's happened in someone else's life, we don't even know their full story. You know, I could, say, I could say it this way. Your worst day could be somebody's best day. You know, that thing that happens in another person's life, man, you don't know what they're going through. And, yeah, they don't know what you're going through either, but imagine how much it would help them when they tell you what God's doing in your life and you celebrate them. How much more that affirms what God's doing in their life. Doesn't it feel good when people affirm what God's doing in your life? Have freedom tonight, college students, and celebrate people instead of complaining to people. Complaining will have us forgetting that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. You know, complaining is me-focused. And, you know, this made me think about when I grew up uh, playing competitive sports and things like that. As I said, um, and Coach will probably really relate to this. Uh, our pastor, Daniel, he coached me in basketball from eighth grade all the way through my high school years and things like that. And our goal was to go be a college coach, a college basketball player. And God's funny, we're doing college ministry together, which is really power and really special. And, um, man, Coach will probably really remember. He, he won't tell you who this was, but every team you learn that you got your stud guys, the guys who are taking the last-minute shots, the guys who are getting the most shots in the game. But then you got your guys who are role players and things like that. But unfortunately, you know, and it could be the stud who is this guy, and it could be the role player who is this guy. For a lot of teams, we have a, some teammates that are complainers. Wouldn't you agree? If you've played sports or if you've been a part of anything that's organized, you have people that just complain. Nothing, their role, what their responsibility that they're supposed to do just isn't good enough. And man, I heard guys complain about all kinds of things. When I played football, when I played basketball, man, they would complain that they aren't playing, on, playing enough. They would point out all the things that they're doing, that they think they're doing better than the guys who are actually playing. Man, I heard guys complain about the Gatorade color, the Gatorade flavor. I'm being honest, it was that powdery Gatorade. So yeah, it wasn't the best, but man, it hydrated you and it got you through the game. But these dudes, these teammates that are complaining, man, they would find anything to complain about. And if we're being honest, these teammates are the worst. And we'll call it what it is, man, complaining, selfish. It's me-focused. And a team could be winning games, and these people would still be complaining. And watch this, college student. That teammate who is complaining is missing out what's happening in front of them. Being part of a team that's winning is fun. But when you're a complainer on a winning team, you're missing the celebration of winning. You're missing what comes with winning, the celebration. And college student, when God's doing something in other people's life, when you're complaining, you're missing your opportunity to celebrate. Not just them, but celebrate the God that you serve. So what will you do tonight? My prayer for you tonight is when you walk away from this message tonight, man, we talked about FOMO last, night, last week, which was phenomenal, and we're talking about jealousy tonight. 
Will you realize that the God that is doing something in somebody else's life is the same thing that is, is working in your life? But just ask yourself, you know, what are the motives of my prayer? Am I complaining more than I'm celebrating? College student, if you're a believer, you are a part of the winning team. Please don't forget that. The devil is a loser. He lost when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He lost from the beginning. Jesus had a plan for us from the very beginning to die on that cross for our sins and not to stay dead but be resurrected from the grave so that when we repent of our sins and believe in Jesus, we have a chance, we have a hope at eternity. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are a winner. But yet we live this losing life because we walk down and, man, God's not working in my life. Yet you're not seeing God working because you're walking with your head down. But when you celebrate, man, when you're looking at what God's doing in somebody else's life and celebrating, you're a part of that win because you're on the same team. For a basketball team, for the guy who sets the screen, that's just as important because then it allows the guy to get the open shot. And if the guy who makes the open shot makes it, guess what? The guy who set the screen celebrating with them. But you know what we do in our life? We complain because, man, I wish I was the guy setting the screen, uh, shooting the shot. But we're not okay with being the guy setting the screen. Same thing with the guy who's not even in the game. They get to celebrate in the team victory. College students, when God does something in somebody else's life, you get to celebrate that because you're on the same team. Tony Evans uses this language of kingdom agenda. And I love that because, man, it focuses our mind on what God wants to do in this world. I want to ask you, do you live by the kingdom agenda or your agenda? Because when you're living by your agenda, all it will do is you complaining. But when you live according to God's agenda, you will celebrate with what God is doing in other people's life. Next time you want to complain, remind yourself this right here. You are a part of something bigger than yourself. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a part of something bigger than yourself. You are a part of God's kingdom. Look with me as we go back to our passage. We'll pick up in verse 30. And this is what it says right here. This is, this is, again, the older brother still responding to the father. And he said, but when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. And again, the, the father responds to the older son. Son, he said to him, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because the brother, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Number two, college students, jealousy also leads to comparison instead of contentment. Jealousy will lead you to compare instead of being content. And notice after all the brother, after the older brother reminds his father all that he has done, look how he refers to his younger brother. It changed his whole perspective of the relationship that he had with his little brother. He called him this son of yours. He didn't even claim him as his brother. So when you're jealous of people, does it change how you refer to them? That person. Oh, that, that, that guy, that girl. Oh, they're sinning, but God's still blessing them. Really? Do you allow jealousy to change the perspective and how you refer to the loved ones in your life? 
the older brother had his own standard and the little brother failed to meet it. Because again, we have to remember that this parable is being spoken to the Pharisees and the scribes. And you learn that in Luke 15, verses 1 and 2, all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And look at this. The Pharisees and scribes were complaining, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The Bible's very clear. They were complaining about who Jesus was hanging out with, who he was eating with. Kalashun, aren't you glad that Jesus invites you to know him? If you know Jesus, man, you remember, I, I challenge you to think about this regularly. Think about the day you gave your life to Jesus. Where were you at in your life before you gave your life to Jesus? What was going on? What was happening? What were you trying to do? What were you pursuing before you knew Jesus? And now I want you to think, when you repented of your sins, you believed in Jesus, and you, re- you asked him to come into your life as your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to think about your life now. How much different is your life? Because some of us probably feel far from God tonight because we're a little jealous. We're jealous that God is doing other things in other people's life. We, man, we go, to God, we go to God. You know what we do in our prayers? We go to God with a list of complaints instead of a list of praises. Imagine how deep your prayer life could be if you sat there and just said, God, thank you for allowing me to be a part of this. God, thank you for doing that in that person's life. But instead we go to God, God, why are you not doing that in my life? God, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to get that? And now you know what it does to you? It makes you think you have to work to earn God's love. It makes you think you have to be perfect to earn God's love, but neither one of those things are true. Why would we complain about God sitting and doing things in other people's lives? Because we want to do the same thing in our lives. The Pharisees were angry with Jesus. Just like this older brother was angry with his father for welcoming the little brother home. The older brother points out how the younger brother wasted and devoured the assets of the father, yet it got him a celebration. The older brother in this parable failed to understand the heart of the father, just as the religious leaders failed to understand the heart of Jesus. And it's how many times, man, when God does something in somebody else's life, we fail to understand what God is doing in their life. We fail to understand the heart of God. When you are stuck in comparison, you will struggle so much to be content. When you are comparing yourself, you will be stuck in contentment. And I would challenge you, our pastor, he preached uh, on a Sunday morning back in December, and he preached a sermon on contentment. If you want to learn more about contentment in a biblical fashion, what, in a biblical manner, what it looks like to be content, I would challenge you to go listen to that sermon. I, I believe it's on our View podcast. It's called The Grass Isn't Always Greener. And man, when you learn how to be content, Paul, man, our coach, he preached on it, Philippians 4. It's a secret to life, being content. But man, when you're stuck in comparison, you don't understand how to be content. The brother's anger and jealousy just kept him, kept him from being content. Jealousy will keep you from being content with what you have, and that is a miserable way to live. But I don't want you to admit, and this is how God responds to us. This is how the father responded to his older son. He says, you have always been with me, and everything that I have is yours. Everything that I have is yours. Ephesians 1 says this right here. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. 
Ephesians 1.3, blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. Kalashun, when you know Jesus, again, he gives you everything that you need. You have everything that you need. The older son is reminded that he had no reason to complain and compare, but instead he had every reason to celebrate and to be content. And the same is true for us today in our relationship with God and our relationship with others. You have every reason to celebrate what God is doing in their life and be content where you are at. Man, being content is hard, but when, when you are content, man, it honors the Lord. And if you're struggling with jealousy, I want to ask you this question right here. Have you stopped to think about what God has done in your life? I don't know if you're a big journaler or not, um, but man, I, I love, when I read my Bible, I journal. I have a journaling method that I, I've been doing since I started reading my Bible, and it just helps me retain what I've learned for the day. But also, man, as I, as I pray and as I journal my prayers down, and I go look back, I still have the very first journaling Bible that I have, and when I go back and look at it, it is just so cool to see what God has done through my whole life. You know, I, I heard, I've heard this before. You know, we're so quick to pray for God to do something, but then when he does it, we don't go back and thank him. We just keep, we just keep moving. We just, we keep fo- we're so focused on what he's not doing, and it causes us to miss what he is doing in our life. Instead of comparing what God is doing in somebody else's life, what if you were content with what he's already done in your life? I've heard a pastor say this, if God were to stop blessing you right now, he would have already done too much. We go to God with expectancy, and that's good, man. Yes, we want to pray in expectancy because God can do things bigger than we can think or imagine. But when we go to God with a selfish expectancy, what are we doing? We're hindering our own prayer lives. And like I said, there is no favoritism when it comes to God. The Bible is very clear with you, college student, that we are all made in his image. Genesis 1, 26 through 27 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created the male and female. We're all made in God's image. But not only that, college student, man, this is a well-known verse, but man is power in it. Jesus died for every single one of you. John 3, 16. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. When you understand that, man, it's hard to be jealous because we're a part of the same team. God died for you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. I share this with you so that you will see that you gain absolutely nothing when you compare your life to somebody else. You gain absolutely nothing when you're stuck in comparison. You gain absolutely nothing when you complain. Ask yourself, did your situation change when you compared it and complained about it? But watch what the Bible says about contentment. 1 Timothy 6 says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing... We will be content with these. And college student, I'm not downplaying. I know you have struggles in your life. I know each of us in here have gone through something that is hard. But as I look around this room right here, we have clothes on our back. 
We eat food here every Monday night, and I want to ask you the question. If you just had food and clothing, would you be content with that? Would you go home tonight as you lay your head on your pillow and say, God, thank you that I get to lay my head down? When you wake up tomorrow morning, when you say, God, thank you for putting breath in my lungs. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. When you start to focus on the things to be thankful for, it's really hard to focus on the things that you're comparing about. But so many times we don't do that. We focus on what we don't have instead of all the things that God has already given us. And comparison is a loud way of saying, I'm not satisfied. I want more. Kyle Stewart, that doesn't look good on us. And if we're not finding our satisfaction in Christ, that means we're looking for it elsewhere. Coach talked about that last week with FOMO, man. We try to go around God to get something good. But if your satisfaction's not in Christ, Kyle Stewart, I have to ask you, what are you finding it in? Because if it's in a person, they'll fall short. If it's in money, you came into the world with no money, you're going to leave the world with no money. If it's materialistic gain, I mean, that, do, that doesn't matter. If it's social media, likes on social media, if it's your career, if it's college, if it's a car, whatever it may be, are you just satisfied with Christ, knowing Jesus? And not only that, but that is when we start to look at what other people have or what is being done for other people. For the older brother, he wasn't satisfied that he already had everything from the father. He wanted more. And Kyle, I challenge you, maybe you know it tonight. Maybe the Lord is speaking to your heart right now. I pray that God is convicting you in your heart right now of what you're jealous about. I challenge you to write it down in your notes. And I challenge you to pray against that every single day. And when you do, you will experience freedom from jealousy. And not only that, it will allow you to stop being hostile towards your loved ones. A jealous Christian is not a, a good-looking Christian. A jealous Christian is not being faithful to what God's word says. So what is it for you tonight, college student? How is jealousy keeping you from the contentment that you can experience with Jesus? Maybe it's somebody getting in a relationship before you did. Like I said earlier, maybe it's somebody who got that internship that you've been asking for. Is God doing something in someone else's life that you're praying for? Because here's the great thing about it is when you're praying for something and somebody else is praying for the same thing and God does it in their life, how cool is it is when they can come affirm to you, hey, this is what God did in my life. I'll keep praying for God to do it in your life. And so now you're growing in your relationship because you have somebody coming alongside you praying for God to do something in your life. You want to talk about loving somebody, would you pray for them? Do you pray for the people in your life or do you just complain about it and compare? Like I said earlier, your relationships will change when you celebrate the people in your life, celebrate the things that God's doing in your life, and that when you're content with what God is doing in your life. You can have freedom from jealousy, college student. You can have freedom from comparison. You can have freedom from complaining, but you have to start worshiping the God that does the things in your life, the God of the Bible. There is so much more to your life, so much more to your walk with the Lord than living in jealousy.
And one of the verses that we spoke on this past week at our Catalyst was Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. This is what you experience when you know God, when you have the Holy Spirit in your life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Fruit of the Spirit ain't jealousy. We're going to call it what it is. Jealousy is sin. And it hinders your relationship with Christ. And it hinders your relationship with people. Because it makes you hostile towards the closest ones to you. It makes you resentful. It makes you bitter. Jealousy does nothing good for you in your life and in your relationships. And so, college students, I want to ask you a question tonight. Will you, experience, will you allow God to forgive you of jealousy? But not only that, let me, let me say it in a clearer way. Will you ask for forgiveness so you can have freedom from jealousy? Will you repent of jealousy in your life tonight and experience the freedom that God wants to give you? That's a much better way to say it. Will you repent of jealousy in your life and experience the forgiveness that God wants to give you?